Before we get started with this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, let me let you know that it's brought to you by Draft, Draft.com. Fantasy sports fans, listen up. Did you know that your chances of winning on Draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why you need to try Draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft. Playing a real-life NBA, NFL, or for this podcast purpose, PGA Draft right now. Be done drafting in under five minutes and get paid out the day the tournament is done. The PGA version is great. You draft, you enjoy the four days, and you collect your money Sunday night. Drafts are filling every second so you can join them whenever you want. All new players, this is the catch. All new players, when they make their first deposit, get entry into a real money draft by using the promo code SD Sports. You gotta use the promo code SD Sports to get that free entry. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. For some crazy reason you do not like draft, they are offering a hundred dollar money back guarantee. Just search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and come play for free right now. But you have to use the promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now, welcome to this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. Play. Kane is in the building. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. This week, recapping the Open Championship and giving you a DraftKings preview of the RBC Canadian Open. In order to do so, I'm going to be joined by my co-host, as always, Jesse. How are we doing, man? Doing good. Uh, another golf hangover, uh, Bubba. Yes. Yes. Always hungover from a big major weekend. That's what we do here at the Always Pressing Pod. Um, but you you have a golf hangover from actually playing golf. How'd that go? Yeah. So uh, funny story. You know, obviously I live in Kentucky. You guys, most of, probably everybody heard about the Barbasol and how terrible the weather was there all all week long. Um, well, I live about an hour from the Barbasol and uh, play golf about 45 minutes north of here. So like an hour and a half, two hours from the Barbasol. Anyway, the same conditions they had there we played in yesterday. Um, and it was, uh, it was worse than, it was worse than the open. Like we had 70 degrees and it rained the whole time and they had 80 degrees and just, just windy. So yeah. Uh, but I ended up winning my flight, so it worked out. Works out perfect. That, you bring that up, and I'm curious because where I live out here in California, about an hour or so south of Monterey, every afternoon at about 1.32 o'clock, we get north winds. And it like when I play in the afternoon, it can be anywhere from like 10 to 30 mile an hour winds. It depends on the day. It's crazy. So, would you rather play in windy conditions like they played in in Europe or the rain? Oh, wind all day, all day, every day. Because you can you can deal with the wind. I mean, that that even if it's kicking up 30 mile an hour, you know I mean? It's not fun by any means, but you're not wet. Like there is lit, like literally everything I owned was soaking wet after this round yesterday because it was just a straight, like just a rain, like for about 90% of what we played. And they finally had to stop play because the water on the greens and we got to finish up with just a mist in our face for about the last four holes. But yeah, I, I wind all day, every day, man. What about gotcha. you? Yeah, I guess I'm just used to it because the yeah, other rain it gets you know slippery and this. I played in a, a, a nice course this winter and it was raining. It was the only time we could get on and we couldn't reschedule because it's so busy. Right. And um, it was like it was nasty. Like you made it work, but your ball plugs everywhere. You get no roll. I'm already not that long of a hitter to begin with. So the wind kind of actually makes it an even a more even playing field for a guy like me. Like they have to come back to my world because we'll, we'll get into it. But one of my favorite golfers <clears throat> that happened to win over the weekend. Um, <laughs> He plays more my kind of game where we don't have to bomb and gouge the course. We play with our brain. So um, <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the wind, but, like you said, you can play with the wind. The rain not, is a lot of factors. You're not worried about the club slipping out of your hand. You're not worried about raindrop hitting you in the face. And, you know, I mean, I wear glasses, too. For those of you who watch the YouTube, you know that. But the rest of you may not. I wear glasses, and I wear sunglasses when I play golf. And it's not – it's not easy in their prescription. That's why I wear them. You know, I don't, I'm not wearing them just cause I try to look cool. Like I need to see 
you know so yeah. it's just a just a bunch of bs man but you know i whatever i won so it's really all that matters i guess all that matters well let's talk about some uh some open recap it was amazing golf i've said it many times on this show <laughs> that it's my favorite major like my i wasn't gonna say that one yet jesse that's coming but uh it's, it's my favorite major out of all of them and i know some will argue with me that you know some like the masters and everything i get it but to me what took place this weekend was what made golf great there was like eight guys that were within a shot or tied for the lead towards the end um it wasn't and I know we always say the weather has a lot to do with how the Open plays, and we've said that about the U.S. Open in the last couple of years. But that course, the way it played, you know, the tougher holes into the wind, the easier holes you could birdie, but then guys tried to be aggressive and burned them, and it was just beautiful, beautiful golf, and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. What were your overall thoughts before we talk about a few players? Yeah, I mean, that course was – that course was – especially Thursday, it was like playing on concrete. I saw somebody tweet out, and I don't remember who, so – Forgive me, but they said that they uh, they forgot to adjust for strokes game playing on concrete. Because, I mean, the rollout that some of these guys were getting, the 100-yard rollout, uh, you know, after hitting drives down the fairway, um, the greens were – their greens were holding. No, I think the greens were very fair, um, and they, they didn't have them running very, you know, fast either. I think they were running at a 10, so um, not very fast for PGA Tour standards. But either way, the golf course, I mean, it's – it's it's wild to look at a golf course that's totally burnt out like that um, with just splotches of green. Um, and I think it played a little bit easier because of that. I mean, the the rough itself, like the the deep rough wasn't as thick. Like if you go back and watch John Vandeveld, uh, you know, come up 18, if you watch that deal, which I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, it's it's very it's very good uh, documentary there by Golf Channel. But either way, um, it, that stuff he was hitting out was so so thick you could barely advance it and this stuff was more sparse and it it just lended to being able to to hit it offline a little bit more and it played a little bit easier but um overall yeah the golf course i mean like that's like a bucket list type of golf course you know what i mean like oh my gosh if i could ever get over there and play that golf course i think that would be like you know that would be top five easy of my list Oh yeah, I've already told the wife that like when we retire, I have like dreams of going to like baseball parks and everything. But golf wise, I told her we're gonna spend like a month over in that area, and we can go see your stuff if you want. But I'm gonna go play like 15 <laughs> golf courses. Like yeah. that's just the way it's gonna go. I'm there. I'm gonna knock out a bunch of them. And you looked at that. I saw after the round yesterday showed pictures of next year's course, and it looks amazing. Like just, yeah. I love Lynx golf. I absolutely love it. That's some of my favorite courses to play is Lynx style golf. It. Uh, the thank you to man's course. And I, I really, really enjoy Lynx golf quite a bit. So it was fun. Um, let's talk some individual stuff here. And we're going to kick it off with the open championship, the uh, golfer of the year. Um, Francisco Molinari wins his third tournament of the year, like in the last five weeks. Um, this guy's good, Jesse. He's really, really good. And, and you jumped and you jumped on board, I which was, made me so happy to see here. And um, I actually, uh, doc who, you know, from the sports DJs, he was. He called me today and he says he had a future on Molly, and he only played it because you finally agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you can't you can't argue against what that guy has done over the last uh, month, month and a half, uh, or two months, or however long it's been. I mean, two, three wins now. Three right? wins. One, yeah, one euro, two, two top one. twos, and one top t- and one other top twenty-five and six starts. I mean, that's just that's just crazy golf. He figured out how to he figured out how to putt i mean he was always a great ball striker and i, and I used to play molly long you know a couple of years ago or last year too when he was you know mid-priced seven thousands and every you know every week it's you know, will be able to putt and you know that's why you know i've got a little bit of resentment but it's it's totally gone with molly now i mean he's he's figured it out he's totally redeemed himself and um so yeah i mean that was a, uh it was a good time to jump on when you did yeah, it's been fun because, like you said, he's always been a ball striker. So that's something that always catches my attention, especially on challenging situations where, you know, when the wind's a factor, when there's other things which we saw, bombers did get in trouble. If they weren't accurate, it, it burned them. And uh, Molly, you just don't have to worry about that with. And once he figured out how to putt, it's just escalated even more. Because, like, I'm with you. I used to play him in those mid-sevens because, hey, he might not win, but he's going to get you, like, T25s. He's yeah. not going to burn. He's not going to burn you. Well, now he's the sixth ranked golfer in the world at the yeah, moment, which is amazing. Which 
I never thought I'd utter that. Like, I'm a big fan. I like to, to to joke about it and everything. And I even told my wife, she's like, what are you so excited about? Well, look who won the tournament. She doesn't know who he is, but <laughs> she has no idea who he is. But like, I pointed to a picture of him. And I said, you see this guy? And she goes, he's a golfer. I said, that's my point. <laughs> that's my point. Like uh, she, she knows like the Dustin Johnsons and all those guys you see on TV. And I'm like, yeah, this little guy over here. Uh, so that's why I love him. But uh, I mean, what, he did over, what he did over the weekend was one of the more impressive things crazy. I've ever seen. Zero bogeys over the weekend. Zero. Yes. 65, That's 69. That's nutty. Yeah. I mean, he, his I, last bogey was on 17 on Friday. See, that's just so overlooked. And then you just mentioned 17, and I tweeted it when it happened, just kind of joking around like it was most of the day on Sunday. But his approach on the in, in 17 ended like the 20-mile-hour wins with the two-iron. When it bounced off the ridge and rolled onto the green, that might have been the shot of the tournament. Because that just locked in a par, which locked in the tournament base before him. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't even need that birdie on 18. Um, no. But no, then he, 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 he pipes one, and he's got a wedge in his hand going into the 18th. Of course, that was playing downwind. But either way, he was still hitting a wedge in there, knocked it to, what, three, four, five feet? Yeah. And, uh, and, and made it, made the three or four or five footer, which one year ago, Mully didn't do that shit. No. Inside, ten, from 10 feet in, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But it felt automatic. Like when I was yeah. watching it, especially yesterday, I was actually in years past. I was on eggshells watching him play. Oh, I, God, was really, worse. I was I was just sitting back in my couch, not even caring. Like, oh, he's got a par. He's gonna two putt for par at least. Like yeah. I already knew. Like I had no care in the world because he was just, like so locked in, and he wasn't yeah. just like flirting on the rims of the, of the of the hole. He was going right down the middle. Like yeah. it was no question. So yeah, it was, he, he was, it was a ball striking performance for you know of all time probably if they had. And that's one gripe I have about this. And I'll talk about it here in just a minute. But they had shot shot tracker or shot shots gain data, which I'm sure they do behind the scenes, but they're not releasing to the public. But either way, he had to gain so many strokes to agree. Yeah, I would love it. That's one thing I was angry about. And we talked about is we didn't have like on the app, we didn't have any shot tracker or any of that kind of stuff, which really sucked. But uh, it happens. And you mentioned Molinari shot on 18, which went inside the shot of another guy who wore yeah. red. And I can get inside. I I can rant about how horrible that red shirt was. It is not the Tiger Red I appreciate. But let's talk Tiger Woods because I continue to fade the man because he yeah. basically did on Sunday what we were worried about the most. And yeah. he got he got out of his game plan. When he pulled the driver out, it just went downhill in a hurry. So what's your thoughts on Tiger's week as a whole, I guess, or kind of the implosion on the Sunday afternoon? Yeah, it was – I mean – yeah, I didn't watch it. Um, I just had guys, you know, everybody in the world texting me about the round going on and the guy I was playing with, you know, we were talking about how pissed off we were that we were missing Tiger leading in the open. Um, but yeah, I, I did see some highlights, especially on 11 when he tried to play a miraculous flop shot to try to get up and down for par instead of, I think after he drilled somebody in the crowd and it, and it went off their shin. Um, but, uh, so, and then he tries to hit a flop shot, lines it short, you know, takes a double, and that pretty much took him out of it. And, the, yeah, I mean, that's that's those things that, like, I don't know, like, I guess he just still feels like he can hit every single shot, which I don't blame him. I mean, he is Tiger Woods, but sometimes you just got to take your medicine, and I, I he hasn't learned that yet, I don't guess. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, he played well, obviously. He shot three rounds of even par and one round of five under and finished five under for the tournament, so. Made a lot of birdies, made a lot of bogeys. Yeah, he, he played really, really well. There's no hiding that. He, he's contending, which we've seen. He hasn't been able to close yet this year, which we've seen. Um, and, yeah, that double bogey pretty much cost him everything. Obviously, it's Captain Hindsight stuff there. But it seemed like he even the whole weekend, even most of Sunday, he'd be smart. He's hitting irons off the tees, three woods, doing anything smart. And then he's like, okay, I'm a shot or two back. Now i got to put my foot on the gas. And it's like, why? You know how tough the course is playing. What are you doing, man? Like, literally parring out would have almost you, – you had a chance if you par out, basically. Well, did you – are you talking about 11? Is that when he pulled driver? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, I can't remember. It was 10 or 11. Because I think, the, it, I think when, the one – When he made double? I thought the, the double – yeah, it might have been the same one. Yeah. Because he birdied was, that whole – he birdied 11 every day except for, the, except for on Sunday when he doubled it. Yeah, but the Which thing is, is with Sunday, the conditions completely switched. Right. And that's where right. you got to kind of change your mindset. That's me, but he's a successful pro golfer. So what do right. I know? <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know. Successful I, I, is an understatement. I, I can't even <laughs> attempt to hit a driver the way he can. So right. whatever. Um, let's, and Tiger, by, let me clarify. He didn't choke. He just did no, things he, he can't he do did, yet. He didn't choke. Yeah. He just 
he just had a a fuck up. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's he the best a, way to he put had it. A, he had a mental mistake where he really thought he was still twenty six, and he's not. Well, basically. I mean, he he could probably hit that shot, but that shot he was trying to hit is a you know one in ten shot, and I get yeah. it. You know, for him trying to go after it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you, you sometimes you just got to take your medicine, take your bogey, and then he bogeys the next. I mean, if he doesn't bogey yeah. double, if he doesn't go double, if he goes par par there, he he's in a playoff. So. Exactly. Well, let's talk about a guy that did choke. His name's Jordan Spieth, and um, <laughs> he he he. I, I thought we were going to be eating our words big time uh, after Saturday when he drives the green on one, eagles it, so on and so forth. But then right. Sunday Sunday Jordan showed up. Jordan yeah. showed up in Jordan fashion, and. When you talk about a guy unraveling under the pressure, I thought Jordan was kind of a calm, cool guy when he first started out, but there's no, it's not there anymore. Because literally when he's hitting his three-wood out of the fescue where he should never have hit it, um, he's doing things he shouldn't do because the pressure got to him. It was ugly at times. Uh, What's your thoughts on Jordan's kind of collapse through the weekend? Yeah, I I mean, I didn't get to see much, but I mean, obviously birdie free um, Sunday is really bad, five over. 76 this is all relatively speaking of course when i say really bad um it's relative to the feel or whatever but 33 putts on sunday too i mean yeah it's just i i don't know i did you, i mean what I, what was he doing i i mean he obviously he didn't hit very many fairways he had 40 percent of the fairways and 50 percent of the greens on sunday and, and had 33 putts he was um, spraying it everywhere he was trying to scramble his ass off and he just he, he would do things that instead of, like you said, taking your medicine, he tried to go for too much and it just kept compiling on top of him. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't, yeah, he just, I, maybe he just wanted it too much. He had such a great round Saturday. I mean, six mm-hmm. under bogey free when he started off and he hit a 380 yard drive to like 10 feet, made the putt for Eagle. You know, I was like, Oh God, he's actually going to do this again. And, he had a great round, but yeah, I mean, that's, man, that's the hard part of golf with him and Tiger. They're very, they're obviously two of the greatest golfers in the world. Um, Tiger's probably the greatest all time, if not, you know, in the top two. Um, Jordan's very good golfers, won a bunch of majors already, still young, you know, still learning. I mean, golf is such a funny game because you can get out there and have it one day and literally forget how to swing the next day. Yeah, no, and that's the funny part about it. It's a, it's a mental game against yourself and no one else. So, right, that's exactly that, right. That's what, that's what I love about it, actually. Yeah, but, me uh, both. Yeah, and, and if people tuned in to listen to DraftKings, we will get there, but this is going <laughs> to be a longer recap than normal because there's a lot of well, it's, stuff it's, to talk about. It's a major. It's a, it's a, it's a major. major. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is a lot to talk about, and I want to talk about a couple of guys. And he kind of had a quiet first three rounds, and then Sunday, Roy McIlroy came out. When he made that eagle putt, and he starts fist pumping, and he's, and he's jacked up. And I thought it might have been just because he made a putt, but, you know, he makes the eagle, which is huge. And it was so disappointing in Jesse because he did everything we talked about. If he could just putt like an average golfer, he wins that tournament by a couple strokes. Like, he kicked ass from tee to green for the most part, especially on Sunday. And he comes up just short yet again. Was he too off the lead? And he played amazing golf and just could not putt again. Someday he's going to go on a run. It's going to be terrifying. Yeah. When he, like, yes, if he figured out how to putt, oh my God, like literally, I really think he could make a run at like being Tiger esque. If I'm going to say, he's, he's almost good at, as good at making these shots as Tiger is back in the day. He hits his driver so long and straight. He's always been a good iron player. Um, just, yeah, the, the putting is, is, always his issue i mean he still shot every single round under par shot six under for the tournament finished in tie for second very very good tournament overall for him um, i'm sure it's disappointing because i think he feels like he should win every time he steps on a golf course and i don't blame him because he's that good uh but he does need some putting lessons um his, his little pirouette his little double pirouette there on uh 14 after that eagle putt was <laughs> that's impressive yeah yeah that was uh something else you know what it, re- it reminded me of him and um and, and Captain America at the Ryder Cup trying to do celebrations over and over again, and you kind of run out of options, and that's what just happened. Yeah, um, I think he was he was that surprised he actually made a putt. I'm, I'm with was. you. I, I agree with you. He, <laughs> he putted really bad on the in the first round, and it, it kind of came back to a little bit of average. He played he putted pretty well on on Saturday, but he made too many bogeys. Um, so yeah, I mean, dude, the thing about Rory is, and like, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it. He just scores so many birdies and bogeys. Like his, I mean, so many birdies. He's hard to he's hard to pass up. And once again on DraftKings, he was less than ten percent owned. Yeah. Eventually, he's gonna win somebody a lot of money. Well, I mean, he did already at the Arnold Palmer. Whoever was sure. whoever was had lost you know lots of money beforehand on him. Um, and then his, his ownership went up, and then not then now it's back down. And people just aren't on him at majors. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to the PGA in, in a couple of weeks. Because, but you know, and we tend to have a short memory in the DFS world, apparently. Yes, very, very short. Uh, you know who has a short memory of almost missing the cut, but birdie in eighteen is Justin Rose. Oh my God, he sneaks in and gets twenty five percent of America or DraftKings players at least happier as shit when he could have mm-hmm. easily missed the cut. And then he proceeds to go ten under over the weekend, and yeah. his round on Sunday was a spectacle to see. Like amazing golf from him. His shot on eighteen, or he almost holds out for a double eagle on fourteen, which would have made it even crazier. Like he, he just made shot after shot. He looked like Justin Rose again, not yeah. the guy we saw the first two days, and he nearly wins it. He's now number two in the world behind Dustin Johnson. Um, an amazing weekend from Justin. What's your thoughts on on that? Because I know it was quite a roller coaster on Friday with Justin Rose. Yeah, that birdie on 18, it probably cost me uh, at least a couple hundred dollars um, because I actually had a six to six lineup with with Francisco Molinari that did not cash in the Millie Maker and did not cash in the 153 max. And Everybody else on the team was trash. I mean, they're all over par. Um, but I think if Rose probably misses the cut, that 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 team cashes in both, at least men. Anyways, enough about me. I was watching. I turned it on the Golf Channel this morning to um, to watch the conclusion of Barbasol because they started at ten o'clock. So I turned it on just a little bit early just to because I was at work and just wanted to make sure I was uh, had it on. And they had Sean Foley on there, who is Rose's coach, and he said that he thought that once Rose made that put on 18, like a burden was just kind of lifted off of him. So like he put so much pressure on himself going into this tournament because it is his home tournament. It's the open championship. It's the thing he's heard about his whole entire life growing up. Um, that's maybe is that maybe that's a reason why he hasn't played very well since his initial start as an amateur, um, at the open championship, but he put so much pressure on himself and he was just able to kind of lift that off and just, just go on a run. I mean, it's Saturday six, seven under was with with zero bogeys is crazy, and then a really good two under round on Sunday in that in those conditions with an eagle and a birdie on the back coming in thirty two. Um, so yeah, I mean he's uh he's he deserves his world ranking. He's played that good, especially over the last six months. Yeah, he's been lights out good, crazy good, and uh, I don't have the world rankings in front of us, but if you start to look at them now. And, and the prices, according to the odds makers, have changed also. The Ryder Cup's a lot closer than we once thought it was going to be a while back. Um, the yeah. U.S. is my, U.S. is only minus 110 now. I think they were way up a while ago. So, and, and I think there's more Euros in the top 10 than Americans now. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, a couple more kind of quick hitters here. Xander made a hell of a run, came up just short, but uh, – this guy, you know, he has his rough weeks, and then he has his great weeks, showing the signs of a young golfer. But he's—he looks like he's so close to breaking out. Are we gonna? Do you? What do you think? Do you think we're gonna keep seeing the roller coaster, or are we gonna start seeing consistent Xander performances? I don't know. I can never get him right. I yeah. literally every time I pick him, he's awful. When I don't pick him, he burns me. Um, I mean, that's just how it goes with me at this point. I, I can't, I can't peg him. But he—he he tends to just show up and like, kind of the least un, like you're when when you least expect it. Um, but in, on the big stage and so, yeah, I mean, he's a player, dude. I mean, he's, he's legit. He's bombs it off the tee. He's got a good short game. Um, just a couple of bad shots on, on Sunday, you know, killed him, especially that one on 17 when he blasted it. Right. I actually did see that, that shot blasted yeah. it way. Right. And then he had a crying baby over there and that was ridiculous. <laughs> all kinds of weird things going on over there, which is odd to me that you have a, that you have a, I mean, you're not just pushing that, taking that baby 200 yards away, but one way or the other, you know, he had some distractions there. Whether or not that mattered, I don't know, but he didn't get up and down. And, you know, I don't know if they cost him or not, but he definitely was one shot behind before that. So he had a chance going at 18. Yeah. yeah he, had, he, had, he had a roller coaster of a Sunday. He was spraying stuff. He'd have really good holes and really shaky holes. So he was all over the place, but great tournament overall. And he finished 600 in time for second. So nothing to complain about there. Let's talk about a couple of miscut guys. Obviously, Dustin Johnson, by the time I woke up on Friday, he had already missed the cut. So that was over. <laughs> um, and then, Mr. I told you when we 
on our show last year, and he can probably write this down for next year's Open preview. Uh, I, I won't be playing Justin Thomas the first time he wins the British Open because <laughs> he just looks so lost out there. It's the uh, one tournament, as good of a player as he is, we talk about over and over, he gets to this tournament and he just looks lost. He's just gone. I don't know what it is. It, he just he doesn't have it. So um, what are your thoughts on those guys and maybe some others that missed the cut that, you know, Ian Poulter's complete trunk slam on Friday or something else. There's a lot of interesting missed cuts, of course. Oh, just was talking about the guys who burned me on DraftKings. Um, I didn't play any Justin Thomas, but yeah, he, I mean, he started out four under and then goes, that was through 11 and then goes eight over the rest of the way. Um, yeah, I, I, 77, I, uh, he seemed like he had an okay weather draw. I, I don't know what to blame it on, but, yeah, he's uh he's got a weird relationship, and and Rom is another one too with it yeah. with the Open Championship. I mean, he was in contention, and he shoots seventy eight. You know, I had him on a uh, like a round three team or something, and he started birdie, birdie, bogey, birdie. He's like, okay, you know, no problem. Quit kind of quit paying attention. Then he goes triple, bogey, double to finish out his front nine. She's forty one on the front, like. He's just a complete mental midget like you talk about quite often. Uh, DJ, man, basically two shots killed DJ. Um, yep. He he hit him out of bounds uh, on that par five. That was so was. fucking frustrating. Yes, you, you aren't kidding, man. Because <laughs> he, he plays that cut and he just double crosses it, pulls it out of bounds. He made a par the first day. Um, look, where is he? Let me pull up his scorecard. While, while you're doing that, yeah, because he goes OB and his next shot, he pipes it right down the middle. It's like, yeah, the, sec- the second player is always the best player in the bag, but it's like, god damn, we're like, because he would have set up for eagle with a shot like that. I mean, he, he would have made eagle had he not, had he just hit that drive the first time. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's golf, but either way, so yeah, I mean, so that killed him, and then okay, so that that whole. Two shots there, basically, or at least one shot, we can say. He finished at five, six over, cut was four, so he was two shots out. And then 18, triple and a double, uh, just just to totally just cap it off. Because he made a run, a little bit of a run there um, early uh, or, or late in his round, early, early our time. We were all asleep, I'm sure, um, and was kind of coming back and then got, finished his bogey double. So, I mean, I don't know. I you know, we'll talk about DJ this week because he's in play again. Um, that's just DJ, man. Like he hits some, yeah. he does some shit like that from time to time. And Poulter, I don't know, eighty-one. That was uh, impressive. That was, <laughs> like, yeah. like when, if you're gonna go bad, just go all out, and that's what Poulter did. Poulter literally just said, "I think he probably started drinking on the turn." Like he, he just, may have. He might have got a broke, but it went the other way. <laughs> He may have still been drunk from like the night yeah. before or something. I don't know. That's, that's he, has, he, he just doesn't have the game. Eddie, he doesn't have the Eddie Pepperell game where you show up hungover and it doesn't matter. But uh, <laughs> you heard about that yesterday, right? Oh yeah, I saw, I saw his yeah. press conference. Um, that's pretty cool. That's a, and the, I think the most frustrating thing about DJ is, like you said, he was at the plus three number through sixteen on the second day. Then the the bogey double or double, yeah, bogey double to knock himself out of it. And Dustin's just like Justin Rose. You could have seen him make the cut and then make a run. He's that good, and that's what just frustrates the hell out of me with that. But it happens, like you said. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Last question I have for you, and we can move on. And I know everybody wants us to probably move on by now, but they can I skip think, forward. What skip? What they can skip forward? Oh yeah, no, the, I always put the, <laughs> I put the time stamp on the. Thing. I'm with you. Um, I just love talking about good golf. Um, I'm with you. I agree. What would you do? Because I think it's really cool. I know some people don't think so much, but the little frat house the boys had there between, you know, uh, JT and Spieth and Zach Johnson. And there's like eight of them that shared a house in Europe. Literally, they'd eat dinner together. They played games. I think it's outstanding because you're in a foreign place. You, you at least get to hang out with people, you know, gives you a comfort level. I, we've talked about before. I love the camaraderie this young group has. And, you know, they can be they can be competitive in between the ropes. But then after the round, it's like we're just buddies playing golf. It's like you do at a club when you go play. You go play an intense match play, and the next thing you know, the guys are having drinks together and having dinner or something. Right. Um, I think it's great. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. I just want to get your take on it. No, man. I, I would, you know, if that's if that's what like if hypothetically speaking, if I was ever a tour, tour pro, which I never will be, but that's what I would want to do. Like I think that is the the way to unwind. You can go in, you can bullshit, you can talk about the round. Um, because, you know, I, so I go up, I go up to this golf tournament this week with one of my friends and on the way home, all we do is talk about our round and what happened because we didn't play together. So we didn't know, but 
it, it helps our mindset for the next one. We talk about what we were thinking when we were doing this, that, or the other. And golf is such a mental game, man. You've got to have something when, when it's that intense and you're playing at this high level, you've got to have something to be able to unwind and kind of relax and chill out for a little bit. And obviously it helped Kisner because uh-huh. he's played like shit all year long. Great point. I forgot so, all about living in the house there. Yeah. He was in there with ZJ and they were paired together on Saturday. They, they drove into the golf course together. I'm See, I think you. that's awesome. I think yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, because like you said, you guys talk about things. These guys can compare like different, you know, missed shots or made shots on a course, like angles into the greens and stuff like that. You just wouldn't talk about, and it might not be flat out going, Hey, what'd you do there? It could just be like, just calm and talk. Hey, did you see this shot? Or like, yeah. and then it just comes out in conversation. I think yeah. it's phenomenal. Well, maybe they don't even talk about golf. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're that big of competitors. They don't want to talk about it, which would be fine too. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, but either way, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, 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 I like hanging out with my friends, so yeah. why wouldn't they? You know, I mean, they're human beings like the rest of us. So. And, what, and what's also really cool is a lot of those guys in there are going to be going to Paris together this fall. So right. I love seeing, yeah. like, because we've seen how important that is for the Ryder Cup. So I, I don't know. I thought it was absolutely awesome, and I was really shocked. But it's mainly the old curmudgeons that think golf should be the way it used to be. And it just made me laugh. I thought it was yeah. It was awesome. Awesome. I do, I, I, I do have one other thing to say about the, the Open Championship. And, yeah. and for me, like, it can't be – I can't put it ahead of the Masters or the U.S. Open – until they get shot tracker. Like okay, that is fair. the that's most effing tilting thing. Like the European tour just needs to get shot tracker. The RNA needs to get shot tracker. And so that way I can tell when my dude's getting ready to miss a three footer and be pissed off about it instead yeah. of just seeing a score magically post a, you know, I mean, it's, I, 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 I love the golf tournament. I think it's awesome, but just get some freaking shot tracker. You mentioned the U.S. Open. What I want to see the U.S. Open do, and I think what will make the U.S. Open better, because the last few years it's been okay, but it's kind of been an up-and-down feelings on the situation. Um, I think Pebble will, will help a lot. And the reason I think Pebble will help a lot is I wish the U.S. Open would adapt like just six or seven courses like the Open does and just yeah. rotate them. If you want to throw in a random here-to-here, that's fine. But have that stable of courses where this is what you're doing. It builds up so much more tradition. You can actually – fix courses the right way instead of like, Oh, it's been so long. Let's try this type of crap. Like I think that's what would make it so much better. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I, I wouldn't be against that at all. I mean, because then, you know, from year to year too, how to set them up. Like you don't, you don't ever hear, you rarely ever hear about the open championship players bitching about the course, right? Exactly. Because they, they know how it's going to react based on, I mean, they just know they've, th- those golf courses obviously have been around a long time, but they've been playing this championship for 147 years. They've been rotating it around. They know how things are going to react based on conditions and they can set the golf course up to where it's fair. Um, you know, I don't know how they were talking, you know, back in, I guess it was 90, was it 99 whenever plus three, one, um, but I think there was a lot of weather at that point. And I mean, that's just part of it too. The, the open championship, it's still got a lot of weather. Um, yeah. And that's just, you know, so. No, I like it, but it was a great weekend of golf and it's been nice since we've had a bunch of web.com tours lately. So it was good <laughs> to, uh, it was really good to see nice competitive golf like that. And we should get some more this weekend real quick before we go to the Canadian open. What do they have on tap for you at fan this week? Or do you get a week off to relax? No, no, I, I, I got something over there for them. Um, so, a lot of the same stuff that I've been doing. Uh, I, I did put a little recap in there for um, the majors, or especially for the Open, obviously. And, and one thing that stood out to me is Rory McIlroy has been in the top six in points in four of the last nine majors. Wow. So I'm just going to throw that out there. The rest of it you can go on there and read. Yeah, no, Jesse's piece last week was really, really good about you know, kind of – consistencies and things to look at for a big Millie maker type major lineup. So I'm looking forward to reading that one too. It's been awesome stuff you got you doing over there. So keep that Thank up. You. Thank you. RBC Canadian open. And this is usually, it's usually a fun tournament, a low scoring tournament. I'll get to that in the course preview. You'll get to that in the, in the um, history here in a minute, but this year has got a loaded field, way more loaded than normal and should be a ton of fun. Why don't you give us some past event history for the RBC Canadian open? Yeah, so they've kind of moved this golf tournament around. Um, the last three years, it has been at Glen, uh, Glen, Glen Abbey Golf Course, which is in uh, Oakville, Ontario. Um, so the last three years of course history are pretty relevant here, I think. Um, they did have it at Royal Montreal in 2014 and then back at Glen Abbey again in 2013. But either way, 
Uh, Vegas won it the last two years. Jonathan Vegas, um, 12 under uh, in 2016, 21 under last year, and he just came. He played awful coming in. I don't know if you remember or not, but he was not good coming in this tournament last year, but he beat Charlie Hoffman in a uh, in a playoff. Um, Jason Day was your 2015 champion, um, and Brant Snedeker won it in 2013 when it was played here as well. Tim Clark won it in between 2014, but it doesn't really matter. So Day and, and Vegas and Snedeker are pretty much the, the three winners you want to focus on, I guess, if that's what you want to make note of. If you have to go on the course history route, that is the way to go. Uh, you mentioned this Glen Abbey Golf Course located in Oakville, Ontario. Jack Nichols designed course, his first solo design course. He designed it in 76, posted the first Canadian Open in 77. Uh, fifth time here in the last six years, like you said, uh, three recently. It'll be the 30th and final time, though, it looks like they'll be hosting the tournament there as they plan on demolishing it and building condos. So that is just awesome. Wait, wait what? Yeah, that's the room where it's pretty much it's like going up to vote, but it's looking like they're going to demolish the course after this year, and then they're going to rotate between four courses in the Greater Toronto area coming up. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> Jack Jack's not happy, but he says he understands how infrastructure has to change from time to time. That was the post I read. <laughs> so um, yeah, first solo design course by the Golden Bear. You think you might be able to hold that together, but apparently not. Um, so they're, they're going to move that around. And they talked about, I think next year, it's not going to be right after the open championship. It might be the week before the U S open. They're going to talk about tinkering the schedule there too. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, it's a par 72, 7,250 ish yards or so, uh, really cool. Um, like kind of undulations of a course, not the actual fairways, but you know, the first, the front nine, a lot of it's kind of elevated. Then you go to the, the valley in the back nine from holes 11 to 15. Then it comes back up uh, to the finishing holes 16 through 18. You have lots of water on the course. Seven or eight holes get affected by the water. There's like a little river going through one of the valley holes, but not a ton to completely worry about. Um, you got bent grass greens kind of stuff, the typical stuff they're used to. Nothing too challenging there. Usually kind of elevated. It's jack design where he's got a lot of bunkers and kind of, interesting chipping areas around the greens to make it a little more challenging for you. Uh, they say they're narrow, challenging fairways, but they're really easy to hit. Or if you go onto the most of the rough, it's not very hard rough. It's typical Jack design. So it's a bomber's paradise. We've seen that in recent weeks by some of the or recent years, by some of the guys you talked about as past winners. If you look at the leaderboards in the last three or four years, you get the random guys like a, like a Brent Snedeker out there that can poke and prod, you know, Ian Poulter top five last year. But for the most part, you're going to have 10 to 15 guys in like the top 15 or 20 that are just bombers. And, and evidence is Johnny Vegas winning it a couple times and some other guys doing really, really well here. So you have a lot of that to look at here, just bombing away, wedge it in, stick it on the green, go from there. You got 10 par fours. They average about 445 yards, five par fives average about 530 yards. And they're very, very gettable. Lots of Eagles on this course. And I believe I was reading they birdie anywhere from like 60 to 65% of the time on the par five. So you better be scoring there. And then four par threes that are uh, not too bad either. Um, other than that, you know, you can go if you want really, really deep descriptions, go check that out on the web. But that's not my style. So basically, bombs away and have a decent short <laughs> game, and you're going to be just fine. Lots of birdies. The average score is about minus 17 or so. Wouldn't be shocked if this one gets into the 20s with this field we have here. Speaking of the field, we have three of the top 10 in the world, eight of the top 30 in the FedEx Cup, and 33 players who played last week at the Open. And in recent years, that hasn't affected them much if they play in the Open. They play just fine here. So not too much to worry about there. Um, Weather-wise, they're talking about some scattered kind of su summer storms, maybe Thursday and maybe one late in the weekend. But it's kind of one of those that might just come for a little bit, so they're not going to completely screw things up. If you happen to be out there, though, it's going to definitely soften up the course for you if you get to go back out, which could help you a ton. But uh, that one, have to check a little more as the week goes on. With all that being said, Jesse, what are some of the key stats you're looking at? Uh, yeah, I mean, DraftKings points, I think, are going to be key this week. Um, over the last 24 rounds is probably what I'll be looking at. Uh, besides that, Tita Green, um, proximity, and some course history as well. I mean, I, I do think course history is relevant, and uh, so I'll be looking at course history quite a bit. Yeah, uh, course history is always one I do enjoy. Uh, current form is going to be good, but this is – give me some drive, uh, driving kind of distance accuracy, kind of a, a blend of some sort there. Uh, DraftKings scoring is going to be tremendous. Par 5 scoring is going to be great. Birdie or better percentage kind of all goes into one there, but those are things yep. that I'm definitely going to be looking at. You, it's going to be one of those weeks where you could have a guy who might not 
be top 10, but he's going to birdie so many holes. The bogeys will be there, but he's going to score like crazy. So um, keep that in mind when you're making your lineups. Yes, you obviously want guys that are going to finish high, but finishing position isn't going to be as important as just these guys bombing away and scoring this week. So that's what I'm going to be looking at. Real quick, let me give you a couple fan share pieces before we get on to the DraftKings picks. Last year at the Canadian Open, top scorers, Johnny Vegas, he was tagged only five times last week, 51st in tags. And Charlie Hoffman, second, he was sixth in tags. Robert Garrigus, third, 20th in tags. These are guys that are in the field this year. Uh, Ian Poulter, he was 20th tagged. Gary Woodham, eight. Tony Finau was third tagged. Uh, DJ was number one. James Hahn, 26. JB Holmes, 12th. Keegan Bradley, 24th tag. So a lot of guys, you know, two, four, half the guys were 20th or worse in the tag. So kind of a mixed match of options here. As you can tell, Vegas, Hoffman, Garrigus, Woodland, Finau, DJ, JB, a lot of bombing going on in that uh, repertoire right there. If you talk current form coming into this, this tournament, people in this field, average DraftKings points in the last three events, Joel Dahman, Leads the way, almost 98 DraftKings points per week in his last three events. Joaquin Neiman, second, at about 92. HV3 at about 90. Bo Hostler, uh, who just pulled out, I believe, so that has to get updated. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is fifth. My boy, Stewie Sink, sixth best <laughs> in his last three events. He's only 7100 bucks this week. Uh, Brooks Kafka, uh, eight, seventh. Chris Kirk, eighth. Austin Cook pulled out as well. Then Tyler Duncan, is 10th, and he's a guy to definitely look at. And the one thing I'll mention just straight out the gate, most of those guys are cheap, cheap, cheap this week, if you believe in that kind of stuff. Um, and when you look at the last six events, it doesn't change at all. So, or no, there you go. You get a couple of changes. DJ comes onto the list. JB Holmes, Poulter, and Finau migrate onto the list. But uh, a lot of the same guys we looked at a second ago. All right. With that being said, Jesse, Let's get into the DraftKings picks. Uh, we got as much info as we can as they literally came out about half hour before we started recording. Uh, we have three guys at 10K or above. You got DJ at 11.7, Brooks Kepka at 10.8, Tommy Fleetwood at 10.5. All of them are very capable of winning a tournament like this. If you have to pick just one, Jesse, you can give me an argument for all three. Give me an argument for all three. That's fine. If you have to pick just one, who are you going with? First of all, let's. Uh... Why are there only three golfers above? I was shocked by that because they want Tony Finau to be seventy percent owned. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we we we're this is it's seven fifty on Monday, and we're we it came out about an hour ago. So, um, it was kind of a first look, but I mean, we've obviously got models run all that kind of thing, so we are making some educated get some educated guesses here, picks, whatever you want to call them. Um, but three above ten k, that's wild. So, I mean, if I'm gonna rank them out, I mean, it's hard to say not not DJ. Um. He tends like, you know, he he missed the cut last week. He's he's his last three events, his last three times he's played this golf tournament. So he's an RBC, he's sponsored by RBC. So he has to play. He doesn't have to, but he plays in these events because RBC is a sponsor. So last three times he's played this event, eighth, second, second. Um, so obviously good tournament history, good course history with the eighth and the second the last two years. Um, and I mean, dude is just if you look at like his last look at his year, it's it's pretty impressive i mean you wouldn't say really that dj's having a great year but he has two wins um bunch of other top tens so i'm gonna go dj uh up here if i'm if i'm going up here and, and i don't really I, I i doubt people will avoid him uh because of the miscut last week uh but it'll be interesting to see his ownership he is the top price guy which tends to lower ownership quite a bit he will probably be number one on fan share but i doubt he will be as high as as, they, as everybody will project him to be yeah, all, all three of these guys are definitely up for grabs. I'm going to go DJ as well. If you want me to go narrative street, I can go narrative street. Um, I remember reading last year, he wants to win this for his father-in-law, who is a Canadian. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he takes he takes a lot of pride in this one. He wants one. this one. He wants this one bad to make uh, Papa happy. Um, so that's another, if you want to go narrative street angle. But the other narrative street that scares me more is a pissed off Dustin Johnson. Uh, right. You know he's embarrassed for uh, not making the cut and contending in a major that many thought he had a chance to do some damage at. Uh, I, I like him a ton. All three of these guys are great picks. If you want to go there, definitely check Fanshare. You can get some definite uh, leverage on uh, different ownership areas here. 
this is a weekend you can go stars and scrubs pretty easily, in my opinion. But uh, DJ would be my one if you had to. The rest of them, great plays. Like Fleetwood would not shock you if he just stormed through this tournament. But uh, DJ would be my guy too. Yeah, my only issue with the other two is they're, I mean, they're like, so their proximity stats are not very good over the last 24. So, I mean, DJ just ranks so high in everything. He's, he's pretty much the best in the field of just about everything he does. So that's why he's number one player in the world. So that's why I would go DJ. Um, like you said, you can make a case for all three of them, but there's, there's only three golfers above 10K. Yeah, there's a couple we're about to mention of the nines I swore would have been at least 10 five Oh, 10, yeah. Four or something. I'm shocked. The first so. one. The first, well, the second one you're going to – The gonna... second one. The second one I predicted 10-4, and I'm shocked. Yeah. So let's talk about it, the 9Ks. We got Sergio Garcia at 90. And look, we have like seven guys in the 9Ks. We always have four. Uh, yeah, Sergio Garcia at 99. Tony Finau, 98. Bubba Watson, 96. Cooch, 95. Neiman, 94. Jay, uh, Jimmy Walker, 93. Not Johnny Walker. Jimmy Walker. <laughs> um, Gary Woodland, 92. Ian Poulter, 91. And Kisner, $9,000. Quite the uh, arsenal here, Jesse. Who are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, I've got a bunch of these guys checked off right now, and I'll have to narrow this down at some point. But, I mean, Bubba is very interesting at 96. I think that's a decent price on him. He has made the cut the last two years uh, he was 42nd last year, second in 2015. So, I mean, not great necessarily course history, but he's coming off the miscut at the uh, British Open. Last time he miscut at a major, he won the next week, the Travelers Championship. I'm not going to say that that's going to happen again, but um, it's not a bad price for Bubba there. He's, you know, he ranks out pretty well as far as uh, DraftKings points. Um, obviously, makes a ton of birdies, and uh, proximity has been good, too, over the last 24. Other than him... Um, I mean, I, I personally, I'll probably go back to Poulter, uh, just because I hope people lay off of him. He was third here last year and that's when he was not really playing the greatest golf. I mean, he was playing okay, but he's definitely a much better golfer at this point than he was last year at this, uh, you know, at the same time. So I do like going back to Poulter. Woodland's interesting. He has really good course history. Um, that price though, kind of shocks me just due to his, his his year um i figured he'd be in the eight so 92 is a little bit weird he hasn't had a good finish since february so i mean he's had a, he's had a 23rd at the memorial other than that neiman's interesting coocher man we didn't talk about him but he he yeah. top 10 last weekend okay. uh, yeah again at a major and obviously female i mean female probably be chalky so i, I might avoid female completely this week so it might be just burning all my money i don't know <laughs> yeah female i absolutely love like i think he easily should have been 10k i am going to watch ownership though i'm not going to play like a chalky tony female it's just not going to happen not in this range with other options but he's my top option here by far you talk about a bomb and wedge type course tony female is that spitting image i think about most of the time so i, I love the price tag in here and i'm afraid i'm afraid everyone's gonna love this price tag but uh, that, that that's my top option there but then bubba at 96 i think is a great pivot um, like you said, he's, he's made two straight cuts here. It, it's a new Bubba. We talk about it all the time, but there's a lot to be said about that. And of course we're, you know, if he has to avoid bunkers in the, in the fairway, or he has to avoid a Creek or move things around stuff that fits his eye. This is definitely somewhere Bubba can make things work and then let his short game do his trick. So Bubba at 96, I think it's very interesting. Cooch is going to go way overlooked at 9,500 bucks. People are going to see his price. tag and say, not a chance. This is an $8,000 golfer every week. We're not paying 95. Well, he's played, like you said, top 10 again last week. He played well here last year. It's Kuchar. This is what Kuchar does, guys. And he already had that hiccup earlier in the year. So Kuchar 95, I think, will be super low owned in this range because Neiman's 94. Everyone's going to want to play Joaquin Neiman. So uh, Kuchar at 95 could be an interesting pivot. And then the other guy I like here, and I'm with you 100%, Jimmy Zamar, Ian Poulter at 91. He finished uh, top five here last year. And this course fits his his golf game if he hasn't completely gone off the rails after last week. I don't think he has. That was just weird because he's been playing so well the last couple months, like we've talked about many times. So a guy like Ian Poulter at 9,100 bucks is someone I definitely uh, like as a rebound, another low own. So it's a deep range at 9K, but you can definitely have some good pivots here, which I do like quite a bit uh, to play with. Yeah, going back to your Cooch deal there, he hasn't uh, he hasn't broken. 20% anytime he's been over $9,000 this year. Um, he's been over $9,000 a few times, but he's been mostly low to mid-teens. Um, so I, I do like that call that you just made there. I, I'm, I'm a I'm a Cooch fan this week as well. I, I mean, at least I hope 
he's figured it out because he was pissed. You know, when you ride Kucher for so long and then he sucks and then you just don't have him and then he's good, that sucks. Yeah, we, we, we almost need to stop being – I'm not saying we're being lazy, but we almost need to just start taking better notes of previous guys. Like, okay, Finau's top 10 all over the place at majors. Kucher comes to Europe and just plays great golf in the open. Like, it's not even be cute about it. It's, it's just yeah. what he does. Just like yeah, we seem to like it. put it on the – like sometimes just ignore the models what we need to do. But, I mean – him and him and him and Spieth both. I mean, they yeah. they were one and two last year, and they both top ten again this year. That's pretty impressive. Very impressive. Very very impressive. Let's get into the eight K range, which is short this week. JB Holmes, Steve Stricker, Charlie Hoffman, Chesson Hadley, Brent Seneker, Adam Hadwin, a fellow Canuck, Wesley Bryan, David Lingmurth, Keegan Bradley, and Billy Horschel. Interesting group here in the eight Ks. A couple I'm going to look at is Steve Stricker, eighty eight hundred bucks. Um, if we're just going to go with accuracy and bring it in, this is your guy. I'm concerned he can't keep up with the pace, but I'm looking at him because at that price point, I don't think he's going to own it all. Every time we don't think he's going to keep up at courses like this and tournaments like this, he does it. So I have to at least acknowledge him and dig into him some more. And I think he's a pivot off the guy at 8,700 bucks who I love is Charlie Hoffman. He said he lost in a playoff last year to Vegas. He plays well at this course. He can bomb at this course. Uh, another good open for him, something he likes to do well. Um, 8700 bucks for Hoffman. I think it's too cheap in this field, and it's a good field, but I think it's still too cheap. He should be in the 9000s, in my opinion. So uh, I like those two up top for sure. Uh, you can give Hadwin a look. He looked great at the Open, and he's been much better of late, so maybe he's starting to find that stroke again and going home. Could be big at 8400 bucks. Um, Lingmer is up to 8200 No one's going to pay that price for him, but he's been outstanding. I was riding him before the Open, and then even this last week at the Barbasol, he played uh, really, really well if my DraftKings paid for the Open. But uh, there we go. He uh, finished T15, and, you know, after a T72 of the John Deere, but then a T11, T48, T19. He's been very, very good of late. Don't mind him. And then lastly, in this range, I can't ignore him, and everyone hates him, but 8100 bucks for Keegan Bradley, (laughs) it's too too cheap. I'm sorry. It's too cheap. He struggled at the Open. That is what it is. But T13, T47 coming into that. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open. Then T23, T7. playing really good golf, making cuts, fields like this, he actually rises closer to the top and 8,100 bucks. I think it's a great play. So give me some Stricker, Hoffman, Bradley for sure. I'm looking for the Lingworth and Hadwin. Who do you like in the 8K range? Yeah, I like Hoffman quite a bit. I, I, I'll i probably have him in quite a few lineups. He's got really good course history here. Another guy who has really good course history is Brant Snedeker. Um, not the best recent form, obviously, so I think that could depress the ownership a little bit. But obviously past winner here, when it was at Glen Abbey in 2013, uh, fifth last or fifth in 2016, um, didn't play here last year. Come off a miscut at the Open Championship, did not play well, uh, but he was third at the Greenbrier, which is probably more similar to this tournament than the, <laughs> I hope it ever will be. Exactly. Um, so, you know, th- I think he's got a couple things for, going for him. You know, miss coming off the miscut and. He just has really good course history. So those would be the two for me in this range. Um, I mean, some of these names are weird. This pricing is, is just getting stranger and stranger the further we get into it. But I do like uh, I do like Hoffman quite a bit. Yeah, I think Hoffman's a very, very good player. I'm scared about how chalky he might be. Him and Finau, yeah, two, and two of the guys I'm really worried about. But, hey, hey we didn't even talk about it. The Millie Maker had five dupe lineups. Chalk is keeping yet again. Oh, and if but if Tiger hits that play on 18, one guy wins it by himself. So yeah, he, that's he from can a million, you imagine that fucking tilt off of that shit? The yeah. the thing, the other thing about the Millie too was so it was, it was duped five times, yeah. and if one person, if one person um uh, takes Tiger, and of those five, if one person takes Tiger over Fleetwood, they win a million dollars. Yep, that's and they crazy. and they would have left five hundred on the table. So that that lineup was duped five times. It used the full fifty thousand dollars in salary. And it's funny because everyone's saying, see, you don't have to be different and leave money on the table. But Jesse just told you if you left $500 on the table, you win a million dollars Yeah, by yourself. I mean, if, if you pivot off of Fleetwood onto Woods, I mean, obviously, it's super easy to sit back and – Oh, yeah. Right. Or, or or you could have pivoted off of Finau onto Kisner or uh, uh, ZJ – or no, not ZJ. Kisner or uh, Chapel and been different and left a little bit of money on the table. Of course, you know, those two were combined 0.5% owned. But anyway, back to this week. 
yeah, no, it was pretty crazy to see that though. We, we, we didn't mention it, so I had to mention it at least once. Yeah, we should have talked about that anyway. Uh, let's go 7,500 and above. You got Ollie, Patrick Rogers, Love Mark, Benyon, Kevin Tway, Martin Keimer, Siwu Kim, Chris Kirk, Danny Lee, Andrew Putnam, Blom, Shane Lowry, Ryan Armour, Kelly Craft, and Johnny Vegas. Who are you liking at 7,500 and above? Uh, well, so for me, it's going to be more at 76 and 75. So I, th- I think Vegas is interesting because, like I said, last year he came into this tournament playing awful. He was not good um, because I remember, I think, okay, so he'd missed one, two, three, four, five cuts in a row coming into this tournament last year, and he won. This year he's missed two in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, did you did you hear the story about him too? Like uh, getting to England at like nine thirty, and he teed off at oh, nine thirty, yeah. and they didn't have his clubs, so they had to have custom made ones there when he <laughs> showed up. He's never <laughs> hit those clubs, and he still, I mean, he still only shot five eight over i mean it was impressive new clubs never seen the golf course uh yeah. so anyways i i do think he's interesting i mean last year he was next to not owned um he was three percent owned last year um and he outscored everybody by like 20 or 30 points um but either way i do like i think vegas is interesting and the other one would be kirk um he has put on a pretty good showing here recently as far as his form goes. He played at the Barbasol this past week. Um, and I th- yeah, he finished 40th. Um, so not a great finish, but I mean, he, sh- he shot all rounds under par, um, hit a bunch of greens. And uh, I was watching somebody tweet about him throwing darts. Um, so his proximity numbers have been pretty good here recently. Maybe that's inflated by that kind of easier golf course. I don't know, but he's been scoring DraftKings points pretty well too. So I do like Kirk. So Vegas and Kirk for the most part for me in this range. Who you got? I like a couple. If you want to get really GPP, it's a guy we get tilted on a lot, but he's actually made 15 of 20 cuts this year. And his last few events, T26, 74, T19, T37, T17. It's a five straight Cuts. I'm talking Jamie Lovemark at 700 bucks. He's a tilting putter. But if you want to talk bombers and scoring in a GPP, I can definitely look at Jamie Lovemark some more. Um, a guy that's coming in a much better form of late, Kevin Tway at 77 is another one. But uh, I do like Chris Kirk a lot. I'm, I'm with you there at 7,600 bucks. He's one I definitely had circled in that range. And then uh, one other one you can look at. He's been everyone's darling of late. Some words to be a little chalky down here. He's coming off a miscut at the open, but a T21 in a second before that at the Greenbrier and the Quicken Loans is Ryan Armour at 7,500. Was playing really, really good golf uh, before the open miscut, which you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. So those would be the ones I'm looking at there. Uh, Kirk is the, my favorite out of that group. I'm with you on that one for sure. But uh, the ones I like more are below 75. So tell me, who do you like 7,400 and below? Uh, yeah, Joel Dahlman, obviously top of the list. He's number two on this model I made because he's, he's just scoring a ton of DraftKings points. I think you mentioned he was first over the last three tournaments or something. Is that he's, right? It's like second or third, I think. But yeah, he's right. He's near the top. He's doing very well. He had a miscut <laughs> here. He had a miscut here last year, but I'm not, I'm not worried about that at all whatsoever. So um, big fan of his this week. Again, will he be chalky? I don't know. Like he was scheduled to be super chalk at the, uh, was it the Greenbriars at the, no, no, with the John Deere. And, he didn't turn into it, so I don't know. I think Reeve's interesting at 73. Um, he's uh, he's played this. He's got pretty good proximity stats. That's what I was going to say. Not, he's played this course well. Troy Merritt coming off the win. I don't know that I'll play him at all, um, but he played well, and he putted very, very well this past week. J.J. Spawn scoring a ton of DraftKings points. I think Harold Varner is underpriced at 7,100 due to his recent form. Um, he's coming off – what did he – last couple weeks because I, I avoided him at the John Deere as well and he finished sixth because I thought he was going to be chalky and he was 11% owned so him and Dahlman are kind of similar to me as far as I don't know where their ownership is going to lie but he's fifth and sixth in his last two tournaments uh, and then Burgoon um, most definitely playable Sam Ryder is very playable Hoagie's all right uh, Sabatini and Jim Furyk's interesting because he's got really good course history here and I, I don't know if that's just because some old rounds or something are creeping in. Obviously he's not that great recently, but 7,100. I mean, I'll leave Stuart sync up to you. <laughs> uh, I agree with you on dominant 74. Another guy at 74. I like a lot. Keith Mitchell, uh, 
perfect kind of setup for him, bomb and gouge type course. T7 at the John Deere, which I liked him a lot there. I think he could do well here on this one. Um, after that, Nick Watney always gets my attention when he's down here, but I think I don't need to go there this week, but 7,300 bucks. He's intriguing. Uh, Tyler Duncan at 72. I agree with Sam Ryder. I think that's a crazy low on play. I've already heard his name quite a bit, so be careful there. HV3, he's too cheap for his recent form. I agree completely there. I like Ryder and, and HV3. Could be chocolate. Very, very nice plays. If you want a $7,100 pivot, it's a guy I talked about on the pod a couple weeks ago, and he's been playing really well at these kind of courses where he can just bombs away. He did miss the cut at the John Deere, but T21 at the Barbasol. T47 at the Greenbrier, T13 at the Quicken Loans. Uh, we're talking Steven Yeager, a guy we talked about before. So he's very interesting at the $7,100 price tag as a potential pivot off some chalkier plays. And then, you know, Stewie Sink at 71 is just outstanding. If you play Sink and Kucher together, you get the two-balled white guy tandem. It's just going to be dangerous on your roster. So um, <laughs> Sink, Sink at 71, I think, is a, is a great play on this course. And the last guy I'll mention, because I think he's crazy underpriced, for his skill level, we've seen him compete on and off all year. And, yeah, he missed the cut of the John Deere, but prior to that, a T30 at the Greenbrier, T32 at the Quicken Loans, T38 at the Travelers, T37 at the FedEx, St. Jude. I'm talking Brandon Harkins at $7,000. I yeah. think he can be a nice um, bottom of the, the pat type guy here. So this is kind of why I can see a Stars and Scrubsy approach. And for those that listen regularly, it's not my style. But on this tournament, you can definitely load up uh, – and take some chances down below because, as I mentioned earlier with the fan share deal, a lot of those guys that finished top 10 in DraftKings scoring that are in the field this year were not that popular. So you can definitely pick and prod down below. And they were low-priced as well, so you can pick and prod through this region. One other guy I would keep my eye on, I don't know that I'll play him at all, is Cameron Champ. Um, he hits it about three miles. Uh, normally you would say, you know, somebody hits it a mile, he hits it about three miles. Um, so I think he's interesting. He recently won i believe on the uh web.com yeah yep so seven thousand it's not a bad call uh let's go into the six k's where there's a lot of options down here as well who are some guys are targeting down here uh yeah so in the six k's there's a there's definitely a few that uh, i do believe are playable get my list pulled the back up here sorry uh so one, and this is just really weird and just a kind of a hunch more than anything else, is Hudson Swafford. He's not played very well recently, but he has some pretty good course history. If you dig into some of his stats on the actual golf course, um, he's he's played it decently well. Now, can he bring any semblance of a putter? That is always the question with Mr. Swafford. But the last two years, 32nd and 14th, uh, he's made the cut basically the last three years of this golf course. So, he's interesting. Um, I think he's a good GPP play. If you're playing large field GPP and you've got a, a hundred five dollar teams or something, you know, I would put him on, you know, five or six. I think, I think he's worth a shot. Uh, a couple more Blaine Barber. He played well last week at the Barbasol, um, and Tyrone Van Eiswagen. Um, he's got good, good course history stats as well. Not very good recent form. So, um, you know, those would be the, the three guys for me who you got. A uh, couple guys here. I, I got to always at least look at Johnny Huh as a guy that he's very he's very hit and miss. Like we saw him John Deere, but not always there. But sixty nine hundred dollars gives you that upside. Uh, Nick Taylor at sixty nine hundred bucks, another bomber that's played really really well of late. So he's an option down here. I like your Van Asswagen pick. A um, couple others if you want to go down here. Everyone's going to go to Garrigus again at sixty nine. I'll go elsewhere, but he's there. Um, Mackenzie Hughes at sixty eight is an interesting one coming in on really good form. Ben Silverman had a good weekend free at the Barbasol. And then one guy I will mention, had him a couple weeks ago, was Scott Brown at 6700 bucks, coming in in really good form. He's made two, four, five, five straight cuts, a couple of a T21 and T12 in his last two events. And the last guy I'll mention, and he will be chalkier than chalk down here, he's very interesting, is Dylan Meyer. He made the field at 6700 bucks. He's been playing lights out lately. Uh, T43 at the John Deere, T17 at the Quicken Loans. Got cut at the Travelers, T20 at the U.S. Open, T74 at Valspar. So he was chalky at the Travelers after the U.S. Open performance. He shit the bed. Back-to-back made cuts at 6700 bucks. He could be a very good choice here uh, at this tournament. But the 6K, a lot of different options, a lot of good pivot options that you can tinker with down here. With that being said, who are your favorite punts? I guess you already mentioned three. Did you have a favorite out of the three? Uh, Swafford. Uh, don't ask me why. It's just – 
and don't don't get mad at me when he when he misses a three footer, but Swafford. Yeah, for now I'm gonna have to say Dylan Meyer. If we stay at sixty nine hundred below, he's my favorite. But I'm gonna get, I don't want a sixty seven hundred dollar guy that's like fifteen percent owned either. So let's keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, who is your bust of the week? Lord, uh, I mean, I think the easy pick is probably Sergio yeah. at ninety nine hundred. Um, it's gonna take quite a bit to to pay off that price. So I would go the easy route, I guess, and say Serge. Yeah, I like Serge a lot as the bust of the week. If I don't go Serge, though, I'm going to go Joaquin Neiman just because everyone's going to be on that guy. And at this price tag now, he's going to have to start really finishing strong. So that's where I go. Uh, who's your core for now? Uh, for now, I mean, it's DJ, Dahlman, Varner. Um, you know, I... As far as like in the mid range, I would I would lean I would lean coach like you were just talking about in Bubba. Yeah, for now, obviously it could change, but I really like Finau, Hoffman, and Keith Mitchell as like my threesome to to build around. I think that's where I want to be going. But I'm and you know at the same time if those if Finau and Hoffman are chalky, I can differentiate elsewhere. But those are the three I, I really like right now in that field. Who do you have winning the event? <laughs> This is a crappy. This is one of the tougher yeah, weeks. Man. If unless you like, obviously you can go DJ. This is one of the tougher weeks to pick a winner to me. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this. I mean, this is this is actually a pretty good field. There's a lot of big names here, so this is a tough one to predict. But I, I would go Bubba Watson um, I, I like for, for kind of the, the guys up top. And if you want like a mid range guy, uh, you know, I think it might be a Dalman week. I went uh, Charlie Hoffman. And if it's not Charlie down below, I'm going Keith Mitchell. I like it. Those are the guys I got winning this bad boy. Well, we did it. A little first look. Not a lot of time, but we got it in. Uh, any final thoughts as people get ready for the RBC Canadian Open? Actually, a really fun weekend. Yeah, it, it should be a good golf tournament. Uh, a lot of birdies this week. Um, so a little bit of a change from, from the Open. But uh, either way, only a couple more weeks to the – uh, PGA Championship and uh, the final major than the FedEx Cup, and we're winding down, believe it or not, PGA Tour season. Yep, PGA Tour season is almost over. Uh, Tiger qualified for the Bridgestone, yep. buried that lead as well, so he'll be uh, in the field there trying to win his ninth title, so that'll be pretty impressive. But all in all, should be a ton of fun. Check out Jesse on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods and his work over at Fanshare. I am at BDNTrick. We are at the Sports Degens, thesportsdegens.com, so go check us out there. And join us in the Slack chat throughout the week, and especially Wednesday night, we can answer more questions as we get more info on the stuff that just came out and maybe some weather and whatnot. So go check it all out. We will catch you guys next week. This was the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast, previewing the RBC Canadian Open. Hey,